Welcome to the FreightWaves Small Fleets and Owner Operator Summit. I'm Nate Tabak, a reporter with FreightWaves who co-hosts Long Haul Crime Log. It's a podcast dedicated to crime in the trucking industry. Joining us today is Sue Ross. She's a lawyer who's a partner with MSK in Los Angeles, and she specializes in compliance issues. And she also drives Harley Davidson's. Sue, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. So today we are talking about something that actually happens pretty often in the trucking industry, and that's when a tractor trailer gets caught transporting something that it isn't supposed to, illegal drugs. And this happens frequently at the U.S. borders with Mexico and Canada. And as part of your, the many things that you specialize in, that you were often in, you've been involved in your share of cases involving um, drugs at the border. In, in a nutshell, what generally happens when a, a driver is going through one of these inspections and they and border officers find drugs? Well, some of the answer to that depends on the quantity of drugs. So let's talk about worst case scenarios. And it also depends in part on where the drugs are found, because the attitude of the government tends to be different if the drugs are in the shipment versus in the cab. And the reason it's different is because oftentimes if it's in the shipment or in the container or the trailer, it's usually something that the driver doesn't necessarily know about, whereas the assumption is if it's in the, in, the, uh, in the cab, they know about it. So if it's in the cab or it's a lot of drugs, that's the other time they'll sort of go for broke and come back, from, sort of step back from that later. Typically, what will happen is the individual officer who's doing the search or whether it's a series of officers will at that point call in the criminal authorities because the assumption is that there's some kind of criminal activity. So what you have is the office, the, sorry, the driver or drivers, as the case may be, will be interviewed, arrested, the vehicle, the cab, the cargo, everything will be seized. And then the whole process has to start from there, whether it's criminal, civil, or both simultaneously. And so, and we're talking about a large, a large quantity of drugs. You know, I've reported on cases involving like $20 million of, of marijuana, for instance. When there's that quantity involved, like it's, uh, it, are you basically if you're a driver and that and and that's that much that amount of drug quantity of drugs is in your trailer, uh, you could expect that you're probably going to be detained for a period of time. Is that fair to say? Oh, I think I think that's a given. The question is, you know, what else happens? Uh, you know, can you in other words, can you convince the authorities you didn't know, or can you convince them enough that they don't arrest you? The more likely thing is you'll get arrested and everything works kind of backwards from there. And one of, one of the things that I actually find really interesting uh, in reporting on these cases is that um, it's, of course, very common that a driver will say, I didn't know about the drugs. And I think it's a very understandable response to just for a regular person say, OK, there's uh, thousands of pounds of marijuana in your trailer. Of course, you knew about it. But I've actually reported on cases where it is, in fact, occurred where the driver appears to have not actually known. Um, there was this case uh, out from Detroit where it was a rookie truck driver who was uh, hauling a load of pork. And it, the basic situation was that they had took a, a loaded seal, uh, sealed trailer and it somehow, unbeknownst to the driver, had marijuana in it. And there was actual ev evidence to, to back up that the driver did not know. And it took weeks and weeks. And the driver's uh, you know, defense lawyer managed to get this guy uh, you know, released and actually with some stipulation that the government believed he was not involved. 
is it actually something that happens with some regularity where a driver doesn't actually know about a significant quantity of drugs in a in a trailer? It's actually quite common because typically, at least in my experience, the driver gets a call that says, go pick up a load at this address. So they'll take their cab over there and they'll back up to connect to the rig, whatever it is, whether it's a, a trailer or a container with a chassis. Because it's a sealed vehicle, they really don't, you know, they're not, look, you're a trucking company. You want to limit your liability. If you receive a sealed container of any sort and you crack the seal or you open the seal, you're now liable for uh, any damage or loss to the, to the contents. So the driver's going to you know, back up, grab the equipment, look at the paperwork to make sure that it says something that looks like it's legit. And I don't mean that to sound flippant, but, you know, I was told it's going to be a container that contains, let's say, wearing apparel. And he gets a, a manifest that says it's, you know, 4,000 boxes of wearing apparel. Doesn't look like it's overweight. Everything on the paper looks in order and they'll just drive off. Which is why I said to you at the beginning, a lot of this depends on whether it's in the cab or in the equipment. Because if it's in the cab, that presents a whole other set of, of circumstances. But if you tell me that 99.9% .9 of the time the driver doesn't know what's in the cab, I was, or sorry, in the, uh, in the equipment, that doesn't surprise me. And so the, this issue, I think, of, of a sealed trailer, actually, it comes up a lot. And like one of the things that's kind of interesting is that, um, at least from talking to like uh, Customs and Border Protection uh, agents, there's sort of this expectation of a certain level of due diligence uh, that they seem to expect from drivers that I think often doesn't happen in practice, that this, uh, this idea that if you pick up a load, that you're going to be doing things like compare the actual serial number on the trailers uh, against like the bill of lading, the customs documentation, all stuff that maybe yeah, you should that, do, that, but yeah. Well, but, uh, look, there there are certain basic due diligence security kinds of steps that you should be doing. And I get that everybody goes with shortcuts. But the reality is, if you're given a trailer number and you're given a seal number, it's in your interest and or the interest of your, your trucking company that that's the load you picked up. So doing that sort of basic checking is is, is not out of the ordinary. Where I get into good arguments with with the customs folks is they're talking about checking the contents and that leads to a whole other discussion as we were talking about earlier, but to, to check that, that you've got a, the serial number and, and the, um, the seal number and all of that. Yeah. That's actually a, a, what they call a best practice. And so you really do need to, if you, if you want to basically not be in a position where if you are an unlucky individual who um, uh, is unknowingly has a large quantity of drugs that are then found and then you say to the, uh, the guys at the border, uh, I had no idea about this, um, showing that you've actually done done your due diligence maybe gives you a fighting chance of convincing them that you had nothing to do with this. Yeah. That, that's so, basically what you're what, looking for. Yeah. Go ahead. So what what happens, um, you know, let's... Let's say that maybe you you were a little bit careless. In the case of the um, this driver I was telling you about, who was caught in Detroit, you know he was a new driver and he hadn't noticed that there was a discrepancy between uh, the the seal uh, the seal the serial number on the seal um, and the customs paperwork, and he just he just didn't catch it. Um, what are you in cases like that? Which I think is very it's human. 
Um, what is the where what happens to to people like that? I mean, what if the what if what if the authorities just don't believe them? They think, well, yeah, it had to have something to do with it. Well, you always start, and I don't mean this to be a negative, but I mean you always start from the assumption that they're going to think you're responsible, and you you really they're under a lot of pressure to stop the drugs from coming in. And we can have a whole other discussion about whether that's the way the law should stay or not. But it is the law and they have to enforce it in much the same way that they'll, for example, enforce that you have the right visa to come in from either Canada or Mexico. So they're going to start from a highly skeptical position. And one of the challenges is always going to be that when you start to get under that kind of questioning, unless you're used to it, you become nervous, you become uneasy. You become all of these things that heighten their concern about whether or not you're telling the truth. So trying to be calm through all of this is the first thing. And the second thing is you just have to be truthful. Look, one of the wildest cases I ever dealt with had nothing to do with illicit drugs and everything to do with a husband and wife team that were instructed to go pick up an empty at the yard of the trucking company, very reputable, significant sized trucking company, bring the truck and trailer south so that it could be loaded and then bring it back up to Canada. Well, they got to the Canadian border. They got to one of the small crossing uh, ports. I don't know what, what, whether there was a tip. I don't know whether somebody had nothing better to do, but they started to look in the trailer. And what they discovered was that there was a false back. Now, the drivers had no idea what was going on. And what we ended up pointing out with a lot of vigor to the authorities was that this is a security measure that the, that the trucking company has in place because they haul very high value pharmaceuticals. Now, I, I give you that not because that would be an excuse in this particular case, but rather to illustrate, you really need to look at the circumstances of what's going on. And if you're an independent driver, then it's very much about what you've done and the procedures that you use and making sure that you've done things by whatever that process is so that you, when you're confronted by the guys from CBP, and that's usually guys, could be women, uh, you know, you're able to say, look, this is the process I use to vet this shipment. Okay, I got it from X trucking company that I've been working with for so many years. They gave me an address which didn't look funky. You know, it wasn't the back of a, uh, a gas station, for example. Uh, you know, I got there. They had the proper security measures in place. I couldn't just willy-nilly walk in. I backed my truck up. They made me show my ID. They made me show their papers. They gave me papers. The stuff all matched up. And if you can tell a real and credible story, that will help a lot. That doesn't mean you may not get detained. It doesn't mean you're not going to be uncomfortable. But it means that you can present a story that makes clear that you've done the basics of what you should be doing to conduct due diligence. In terms of, you know, I think being in this situation as as a driver, it's it's it sounds actually quite frightening, actually, because the reality is, is that especially at borders, there's a lot of discretion about, um, you know, whether you're going to be detained and for how long. And it seems like if prosecutors, for, if there's an, an interest in bringing charges uh, against a person, it you, know, you see people who can spend a mm -hmm. lot of time in jail. Um, is there True. <laughs> Is there any way to to avoid avoid that in all instances? It just it sounds like incredibly awful if you really did so, nothing wrong. Well, it's incredibly awful, especially if you haven't done anything wrong, and especially if the truth of the matter is you just didn't know. You know, you picked up a load just like you thought you would pick up any other load. Look, the, the actually the more difficult situation, not to make light of the circumstance you've outlined, 
is the situation where the driver is working either independently, um, but regularly for a trucking line, or they work directly for the trucking line. And they've left the yard on, let's say, the Mexico side, because this is what I tend to deal with more than the Canada side. And they've gotten a phone call. So, so the, the area from where the yard is to the border might be, let's say, 10 miles and you know, two miles down the road. They've gotten a phone call from the bad guys, you know, talking about their, their little girl that's in school and describing what she's wearing and the blonde curls and the color of the ribbon in her hair. And these guys are clearly going to do whatever these bad guys want. And unfortunately, that usually means that the uh, contraband, whatever it is, ends up being put in the cab rather than in the trailer. And what will happen is they'll, they'll stop. Everybody will jump on board. They're going to do whatever they're going to do. A couple miles down the road, they all jump off. And there's not enough of a, a time delay to be able for, for the folks at, at back at the headquarters, so to speak, to see on the GPS movement that there's actually been any disruption. And so one of the things we've done with several of our clients is we've developed a system whereby if one of the drivers has been um, co-opted in that manner, there's a way that they can signal to the customs authorities that that has happened. And it has to be done subtly and it has to be done carefully and it has to be done in a coordinated manner. Um, because you don't want the driver held responsible and you also don't want the driver put in a situation where somebody realizes that, that they've ratted out the bad guys and that has a whole other set of consequences to it. So these are very difficult circumstances for which there are no really good answers and for which so much of this, as you just said, turns on, you know, what mood is the officer in? How are they dealing with their discretion that day? You know, did you catch him at a good time or a bad time? You know, what, what's the supervisor want to do when they get called over? Are there dogs involved? You know, and again, it's all about the facts of the circumstances. And how do you deal with that when there is someone who's been threatened or coerced into doing that? Because I, I think a lot of people put in that position where you think someone's threatening the life of a kid or someone close to you. Like, yeah, you, of course, you're going to like you could bring whatever they want across the border. Oh, yeah. There's no question about that. And and this is why I say what we've really tried to do in those circumstances is, is think through, and I'm, I'm obviously not going to get into details here, but we've tried to think through what in the process could be done so that when the driver reaches the port of entry and they're standing there or sitting there, I should say, you know, pulling up to the booth, so to speak, um, how they can provide information to the customs authorities that makes clear this is a load where I've been compromised. And I'm signaling this to you so that you can do what you need to do. And then what we've managed to get custom to do consistently is they will treat it like it's just another secondary inspection. And they'll, they'll wander around, do whatever, um, and then order them over to secondary. And, and that's kind of the way the whole thing gets handled. But that works for trucks. It doesn't work necessarily if you're driving your personal vehicle. That's a whole other problem. Uh, I mean, it just it, it, all, it sounds like something out of a movie. I mean, and I, I could I could sort of, you know, in terms of this, uh, you know, having like your family threatened um is is that something that you know that like um cpb officials that they actually will believe like do they believe that story i mean yeah yeah look a lot of our clients tend to be not the owner operators but the trucking companies and since i deal primarily in mexico the the uh, the context is different than it is in canada but we've had situations where we've actually brought the custom authorities before the border was closed down to the facility in Mexico, walked them through it, shown them all of the, the steps that we have in place, including dogs, 
including GPS, including all of the other security measures that are in place, and said, look, this is just a fact of life. This is how these guys work. So we're telling you up front, you know, this is what we're planning to do. And, and that's why they will uh, believe it, because if you were involved and you were involuntarily involved and you basically signaled that the load had been compromised, you know, you're out your money, so to speak. So, you know, you're not going to cooperate with the authorities in even a subtle manner, um, you know, under threat, as we've talked about, of somebody getting killed. Well, thank you so much, Sue, for for talking with us. It's been really fascinating and, and eye-opening because I think, yeah, drug, drug smuggling is often, it's it's a lot more nuanced and, um, you know, complicated, I think, than, than we appreciate. And especially when innocent people are kind of caught up in the mix. Thank you very much again for the invitation. I always enjoy chatting with you. If you want to hear more from Sue and this fascinating world of what happens with drug smuggling and trucks and and all that stuff, uh, we're going to have a, an extended conversation with her on Long Haul Crime Log. That's Freight Waves uh, podcast dedicated to crime and trucking. And you can find it just by searching for Long Haul Crime Log on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get podcasts. But it's really, it's a fascinating discussion and you'll hear more of it on there. Thank you again, Sue.